All right. Well, happy Easter. Thank you so much for joining uh, in-house. And I know for some of you, some of you, this is your first week back or your second week back from the uh, year-long COVID overhaul. Who would have ever thought it would have been this long? So I'm so glad that you were able to get your vaccination, and I'm so glad that you were able to come physically in-house. And if you are still at home and you weren't able to come, I just wanted to say thank you for joining in with us this morning in this incredible celebration of life that we get to enjoy because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you're in the room and uh, maybe you got drug along, maybe you said, you know, you were coaxed in and, and you're visiting family or whatever the case might, maybe a friend and they're like, hey, come, you'll, you, you, might have, you might get to win a, you know, a, a drawing there. You might win a prize, an Easter basket. There's donuts, there's espresso. Maybe all of that was like, hey, that's the only reason I'm, I'm coming. Or maybe, you know, online you're like, yeah, you know, I don't know. And uh, you just, you just flipped the computer on and saw it and thought, well, it's Easter, I'll give it a shot. Maybe you're, you're here and you're a skeptic. Maybe you're not a Jesus follower. Maybe, maybe the whole Bible thing and the Jesus thing, you're just like, I just, you know, I knew a Christian once. Nah, I just, I just you know, I couldn't ever go there. Or maybe you grew up in the church and you walked away and and maybe you're, you know, you're checking it out. Maybe you're just trying to figure out faith and, and, and not sure. But here's the thing, you know, the thing that, that's interesting to me is, is even if you're skeptical of, of Christianity and, and, and Jesus followers, here's something that, that I find fascinating. I would think that everyone who gets a true um, picture of what the gospel actually is, the good news actually is, they would want it to be true. Even if they're like, intellectually, I just can't get there, but man, I wish it was true. I think everyone should want this to be true, and maybe you've never heard the gospel in a way that really resonated with you or made sense to you, so I want to read to you kind of a different explanation or a a different, uh, I want to read the, the gospel to you in kind of a different way that maybe you have never heard it before and uh, and this came from a, a, a professor of religion named Dr. Christensen who taught at a small college in Western United States. Dr. Christensen taught the required survey course in Christianity at this particular institution, and every student was required to take his course his or her freshman year, regardless of their major. Although Dr. Christensen tried hard to communicate the essence of the gospel in his class. He found that most of his students looked upon the course as nothing but required judgery. Like, I don't want to be here, but it's required, I got to be here. Despite his best efforts, most students refused to take Christianity seriously. And this year, Dr. Christensen had a special student named Steve. Steve was only a freshman, but was studying with the intent of going into seminary for the ministry. And Steve was popular, he was well-liked, and he was an imposing physical specimen He was now the starting center on the school football team and was the best student in the professor's class. One day, Dr. Christensen asked Steve to stay after class so he could talk with him. How many push-ups can you do? Steve said, I do about 200 every night. 200? That's pretty good, Steve, Dr. Christensen said. Do you think you could do 300? Steve replied, well, I don't know. I've never done 300 at a time. 
Do you think you could? Asked Dr. Christensen. Well, I can try, Steve said. Can you do 300 in sets of 10? I have a class project in mind, and I need you to do about 300 push-ups in sets of 10 for this to work. Can you do it? I need you to tell me you can do it, said the professor. Steve said, well, I, I think I can. Yeah, I can do it. Dr. Christensen said, good. I need you to do this on Friday. Well, Friday came, and Steve got to class early and sat in the front of the room when class started, the professor pulled out a big box of donuts. These weren't the normal kind of donuts. They were the extra fancy big kind with cream centers and frosting swirls. Everyone was pretty excited. It was Friday, the last class of the day, and they were going to get an early start on the weekend with a party in Dr. Christensen's class. Dr. Christensen went to the first girl in the row and asked, Cynthia, do you want to have one of these donuts? Cynthia said, yes. Dr. Christensen then turned to Steve and asked, Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so that Cynthia can have a donut? Sure. Steve jumped down from his desk to do a quick 10, and Steve again sat in his desk, and Dr. Christensen put a donut on Cynthia's desk. Dr. Christensen then went to Joe, the next person, and asked, Joe, do you want a donut? Joe said yes. Dr. Christensen asked, Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Joe can have a donut? Steve did 10 push-ups, and Joe got a donut. And so it went. Down the first aisle, Steve did 10 push-ups for every person before they got their donut. And down the second aisle, till doc, Dr. Christensen came to Scott. Scott was on the basketball team and in as good a condition as Steve, and he was very popular, never lacking in, in, in female companionship. And when the professor asked Scott, do you want a donut? Scott's reply was, well, can I do my own push-ups? Dr. Christensen said, no, Steve. Steve has to do them. Then Scott said, well, I don't want one then. Dr. Christensen shrugged, then turned to Steve and asked, Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Scott can have a donut he doesn't want? With perfect obedience, Steve started to do 10 push-ups. Scott said, hey, I said I don't want one. Dr. Christensen said, look, this is my classroom, my class, my desks, and these are my donuts. Just leave it on the desk if you don't want it. And he put a donut on Scott's desk. Now by this time, Steve had begun to slow down a little. He just, he'd just stayed on the floor in between sets because it took too much effort to be getting up and down. You could start to see a little perspiration coming out around his brow, and Dr. Christensen started down the third row, and now the students were beginning to get a little angry. Dr. Christensen asked Jenny, Jenny, do you want a donut? Sternly, Jenny said, no. Then Dr. Christensen asked Steve, Steve, would you do 10 more push-ups so Jenny could have a donut that she doesn't want? Steve did 10, and Jenny got a donut. By now, a growing sense of uneasiness filled the room. The students were beginning to say no, and there were all these uneaten donuts on the desk, and Steve also had to really put forth a lot of effort to get these push-ups done for each donut. There began to be a small pool of sweat on the floor beneath his face. His arms and brow were beginning to get red because of the physical effort involved. Dr. Christensen started down the fourth row. During his class, however, some students from other classes had wandered in and sat down on the steps along the radiators that ran down the sides of the room. When the professor realized this, he did a quick count and saw that now that there was 34 students in the room. 
Dr. Christensen went on to the next person and the next and the next. And near the end of that row, Steve was really having a rough time. He was taking a lot more uh, time to complete each set. And a few moments later, Jason, a recent transfer student, came to the room and was about to come in when all the students yelled in one voice, no, don't come in, stay out. Jason didn't know what was going on, but Steve picked up his head and said, no, let him come. Professor Christensen said, you realize that if Jason comes in, you'll have to do 10 push-ups for him. Steve said, yes, let him come in. Give him a donut. Dr. Christensen said, okay, Steve, I'll let you get Jason's out of the way right now. Jason, do you want a donut? Jason, new to the room, hardly knew what was going on. Yes, he said, give me a donut. Steve, will you do 10 push-ups so that Jason can have a donut? Steve did 10 push-ups very slowly and with great effort, and Jason, bewildered, was handed a donut and sat down. Dr. Christensen finished the fourth row and then started on those visitors seated by the heaters, and Steve's arms were now shaking with each push-up in his struggle to lift himself against the force of gravity. Sweat was profusely dropping off of his face, and by this time, there was no sound except his heavy breathing. There was not a dry eye in the room. The very last two students in the room were two young women, both cheerleaders and very popular. Dr. Christensen went to Linda, the second to last, and asked, Linda, do you want a donut? Linda said very sadly, no, thank you. Professor Christensen quietly asked Steve, Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so that Linda can have a donut she doesn't want? Grunting from the effort, Steve did 10 very slow push-ups for Linda, and then Dr. Christensen turned to the last girl, Susan. Susan, do you want a donut? Susan, with tears flowing down her face, began to cry. Dr. Christensen, why can't I help him? Dr. Christensen, with tears of his own, said, no, Steve has to do it alone. I have given him his, this task, and he is in charge of seeing that everyone has an opportunity for a donut, whether they want it or not. When I decided to have this party on the last day, I looked at my grade book. Steve is the only student with a perfect grade. Everyone else has failed a test, skipped class, or offered me inferior work. Steve told me that when a player messes up in football practice, he must do push-ups. I told Steve that none of you come, could come to my party unless he paid the price by doing your push-ups. He and I made a deal for your sakes. Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Susan can have a donut? As Steve very slowly finished his last push-up with the understanding that he had accomplished all that was required of him, having done 350 push-ups, his arms buckled beneath him, and he fell to the floor. Dr. Christensen turned to the room and said, And so it is that our Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross, Pled to the Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, with the understanding that he had done everything that was required of him. He yielded up his life, and like some of those in this room, many of us leave the gift on the desk. Turning to his class, the professor said, my wish is that you might understand and fully comprehend all the riches of grace and mercy that have been given to you through the sacrifice and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether or not we choose to accept his gift to us, the price has been paid. 
It's been paid. See, that's different than religion. Religion is all about doing. If I was going to describe religion to you, it is all about doing. In fact, maybe that's why some of you are in the room, or maybe that's why some of you are watching. You come on Easter and you come on Christmas because you're not sure how it works, and you think, just in case it has anything to do with doing, I can show up when God shows up and say, God, I did it. I I at least did something. I I showed up. I, I was trying to do. In fact, I gave a little bit of money, and I was trying to be a good person, and I was trying to do this, and I was trying to do that, and I'm trying to do the other thing, and I'm trying to go to church, and I'm trying to be good. Religion's all about doing. See, religion equals doing. If I was going to describe religion to you, it's just, I got to do. It's about doing. That's so different than Jesus. See, religion's about trying to change this exterior to fool everyone about what's actually going on inside. Jesus is all about done, it's finished. The work has been finished. The work has been done. And Jesus wants to do something inside of you that then works its way out of you. It's so completely different than religion. I mean, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. The Apostle Paul, he, he, he writes about this, this, this struggle between done and doing in Galatians chapter 20 and In chapter 2, verse 20, he says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. That old self of trying to do, trying to be good enough, trying to earn favor, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, there's something that has changed on the inside of me. I've invited Jesus to be on the inside of me, to work his way out of me to new life. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law, if doing, is what he's saying, could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. There's no need for us to be here this morning. We could just celebrate one another. We're good enough to try on our own to get there. If we could do our way to heaven, if we could do our way to this new life, then there was no need for Jesus to die, no need for Jesus to rise from the dead. See, Paul, he he goes on and he explains this, that, that the resurrection is actually the foundation of our faith. It is all about the resurrection. It's all about the resurrection. He says this, He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. You're you're still paying for your own sins. You're gonna have to do. If Christ didn't actually raise from the dead, then there is no forgiveness of sin and the power of sin has not been broken. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. Our faith is useless. The donuts were good. The music was good. Other than that, it'd be no good if Jesus did not raise 
from the dead. But in fact, Christ has raised from the dead. And when you weigh the evidence, it's overwhelming evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. And if you haven't weighed the evidence, you need to weigh the evidence because it is the most important thing you could ever look at and look into and investigate and make a decision around. Eternity weighs in the balance of that decision. But in fact, Christ has raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So maybe you're just like, okay, I, I, I didn't believe because I, I knew a Christian one time, and he, you know, it's just like, man, if that's what it is, I, I'm walking away from that. So Eric, could you explain in simple terms the gospel to me? Because I... I, I I think I'm understanding it from the story that you told. Romans, Paul explains it so clearly in Romans 3, 23. For everyone has sinned. In other words, when you're like, eh, I don't really like the, the sin word. Okay, well, <clears throat> all, all, all Paul is saying is we don't even keep our own standards, right? But alone God's. God has a standard. And, and, and we all fall short of it. For everyone has sinned. We've all done some things that we knew weren't right, and we did them anyway. That's sin. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And so that's why some of us were like, yeah, there's something in me that knows I, I fell short of the standard, so I need to do something to try and make up for it. And, I, I, and that's why I go to Easter. That's why I go at Christmas. That's why I go to church from time to time. That's why I give to, to, to nonprofits and, and I, I try to do some good things and I try to volunteer in some places because I, I didn't even realize I was actually trying to make things right with God. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be good enough. I'm trying to get to this standard no matter what it is that you have done. That's why doing religion is worthless. No matter what it is you have done, we all fall short of the standard. So what are we going to do about it? <laughs> Yet God, even though we are all falling short, God showed up. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. Well, okay, time out. Eric, he can't just do that, can he? He can't just declare that we met the standard. That's the standard right there, righteousness. And God just declared that you met the standard? I mean, how, how can he do that? Well, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Okay, well, time out. Jesus can't just free us from the penalty of sins. Somebody's got to pay. You're right. Somebody does have to pay. In fact, somebody who has never sinned has to pay. Otherwise, we're all going to pay for our own sins. <laughs> so God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. He paid. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. People are not made right when they do stuff. They are made right when they believe that Jesus already did it all. 
It's finished. It's paid. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? In other words, can I do some stuff and like, I'm really pretty good. God, I think you ought to let me into heaven. I mean, compared to that person, I am really good. No, see, there's no room for boasting because it has nothing to do with anything that we have done. See, our, our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's not based on doing. It is based on faith. I believe. I accept. So we are made right with God through faith and not by doing, not by obeying the law. See, on Easter, we celebrate Jesus loving us enough to die in our place. On Easter, we celebrate forgiveness of sin. There's forgiveness of sin, everyone. That's unbelievable. It's paid. And you didn't have to pay for it. I didn't have to pay for it. Praise God, I didn't have to pay for it. Because I couldn't pay. There's nothing I could do. On Easter, we celebrate that the power of sin is broken. The power of sin. See, the death and the cross brought forgiveness of sin. The resurrection breaks the power of sin. It no longer needs to be my master. I don't have to obey it anymore. I can live a new life. See, on Easter, we celebrate that it is finished. The work is done. And so here's my question. Will you receive the free gift today? Or will you leave it sitting on the desk? (laughs) See, the gospel, the gospel is totally awesome. You should turn to your neighbor and give him a high five and tell him the gospel's totally awesome. It's totally awesome. It's worth celebrating. It's worth having a party over. I'm just telling you, if you haven't received the gift, if it makes sense, if, if, if you feel like these scales have come up and it's, you understand it for the first time, I want you to invite you to pray with me And I'm going to give you an opportunity to place your faith in Jesus. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, I understand the gospel for the first time. I see it. And Jesus, right now, I place my faith in you. I realize I can't do anything for I, I fall short. And part of me thinks, you know, I'm, I've done so many bad things, I couldn't make up for it. And, but I understand that it's paid. It, it has nothing to do with my doing. And so I just receive it. I place my faith. And Jesus, would you come in and make me new inside?
I want to be new. I want this new life. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for me and loving me. Help me to live for you now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.